What is up guys, it is Quinn here and I'm pretty excited about the video that I'm gonna be going through today. So basically what I'm gonna be doing is looking at the first round of fantasy football ADP and then kind of talking about the tough decisions at the running back position. I know a lot of you probably like to go running backs early and often. You wanna lock down those workhorse running backs, you know, round one, round two. Well, today we're gonna be focusing in on round one and there are gonna be specific pockets, you know, in round one, looking at like early round one, mid round one, late round one, where you're going to have the opportunity to be picking, you know, between this player or this player. So we're going to be looking at kind of like three pairs of players who are going in the same overall range, breaking down the pros and cons of each of these guys. And then I'll kind of just be giving, you know, my general thoughts on which player I would want in this spot. Because, you know, nailing your first round pick is very, very important. If you swing and miss, you know, on your first rounder, you pick a running back who doesn't live up to the potential that can just really, really hinder your team. And it's just going to cap, you know, the ceiling of your roster, and it will really limit how well your team is able to perform. So let's just jump right into like the first tough decision. And this is like pick number one, pick number two. If you're in this spot, you're going to be choosing between Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey. You have Jonathan Taylor kind of going as the consensus 101. McCaffrey's like 102, 103. He's probably going 101 in a few leagues. But typically, you're going to see JT at that number one spot. So we're going to start it off here talking about Jonathan Taylor. And the first pro for JT is he is the reigning running back one. We saw him finish as the RB1 in total points last season, 21.9 PPR points per game. That was second behind Derrick Henry, but he only played in eight games. It's like less than half the season. Are we really going to count that? So he was the RB1. He was the guy last year, rushed for over 1,800 yards. Caught 40 passes for 360 receiving yards and then scored 20 total touchdowns. So you like to see it. He's finished as the RB1. So now you're picking him there. He also is a very, very safe option. When we're looking at injury risk, I know a lot of people are very concerned about running backs getting injured and injuries really can happen at any time. But when we're talking about like predicting injuries, Jonathan Taylor's not a guy where you're like, ooh, this is concerning me. He's had three college seasons two NFL seasons, and in those five seasons combined, he has only missed one game. So it's possible he goes out there, gets unlucky, steps on someone's foot, you know, messes up his ankle, but there's nothing, you know, super concerning because he really just has not missed any time in his NFL career. Now, moving on to the one clear con here with Jonathan Taylor, for me, I think he lacks an elite ceiling, and it may kind of seem crazy to say that because I'm like, dude, he just finished RB1 last year. But hear me out. So last year, not trying to take anything away. It was a great season, right? But it was the lowest scoring RB1 season since 2015. Normally, we have a running back putting up like 24 plus points per game. He was under 22. And the reason why is like we just saw injuries to Chris McCaffrey, other guys like Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara kind of underperformed. So we really didn't have that huge boom. Saquon Barkley, you know, didn't really do much. So for Jonathan Taylor here, he did finish as the RB1, but like, can he do that, you know, 24 plus points per game? I don't know if he's ever going to have like top tier receiving upside. He was targeted 51 times last year. He's going to be competing with Naheem Hines for targets. You know, a lot of these, you know, elite running back ones, they're not in backfields where you know a running back is going to be taking away opportunities. So he was under 22 points per game last year. He scored 20 touchdowns which is super impressive. Like, are we banking on that every single season? So I'm a little bit concerned that he is kind of capped out here. 
And so that would really be the one concern is that he just doesn't give you that elite upside. Now moving over to Christian McCaffrey, starting off with his pros. I really have one here, and it's just that he is the highest ceiling of any player. When he is healthy, he is the best fantasy football player at any position, best running back. I'd take him over any wide receiver, any quarterback, any tight end. He is the guy. I don't really think anyone would refute that. Like even if you're someone who picks Jonathan Taylor at the 101, if you knew that both players were going to be playing a full 16 or 17 game season, I'm guessing 100% of people would select Christian McCaffrey. I mean, in 2019, the dude averaged 29.4 PPR points per game, and that wasn't over like a three-game stretch, a five-game stretch. He averaged over 29 points per game over a full 16-game season. He's had multiple seasons with 100-plus receptions. He has that elite receiving upside, gets his production all over the place. So obviously, that's the appeal here with Christian McCaffrey. And then the con, one clear kind of downside here. And it's just his recent injury history. I actually went more in depth on this uh, in a video about a week ago, talking about like the injury prone myth. I think people really like to throw that word around. I think it gets overused. But this is something that I talked about in that video. So when we're looking at Christian McCaffrey seasons, going through college, he played in 12 out of 13 games as a freshman, 14 out of 14 as a sophomore, 11 out of 13 as a junior, and then he played in all 16 games in his first three NFL seasons. Then the last two years, the health has kind of fallen off, played in three out of 16 in year four, and then seven out of 17 last year. But when we look at those injuries, there's nothing you know super repetitive that makes me think he is injury prone. 2020 thigh strain, 2020 high ankle sprain, 2020 AC joint sprain, 2021 low ankle sprain, and then 2021 hamstring strain. So for me, you know, it's more plausible that he has kind of just gotten unlucky after being very lucky for, you know, whatever it was, the six straight years of limited injuries. You know, I'm more inclined to believe that than thinking that, you know, all of a sudden here in year four, just every single part of his body deteriorated at the exact same time. That just doesn't really make much sense to me. We're not seeing like one injury continue to happen. When he gets back on the field, he looks like the same guy. So here, if I'm choosing between JT or Christian McCaffrey, I will be choosing Christian McCaffrey. I don't hate it if you go with Jonathan Taylor, but for me, I'm shooting for upside. And if you're getting Christian McCaffrey like the 103 and he hits, I mean, he could like basically single-handedly win you your season. You could have an average team around him and that positional advantage could take you to the championship. Now over to the next tough decision. It's going to be Austin Eckler versus Derrick Henry. These are guys who are going like, mid first round. If you're playing in an RB heavy league, I could see them going, you know, pick four, pick five, somewhere in that range. But starting off here with Austin Eckler, on the positive side, we know he has elite receiving upside. He's seen 90 plus targets in two of the last three seasons. The one he didn't, obviously he dealt with injuries, so he probably would have hit that number. And then not only does he get the volume, he also is pretty efficient with those uh, targets. So in 2019, he was the RB1 in yards per reception. 2020, the RB18 took a little bit of a step back, but then bounced back in 2021, the RB7 in yards per reception. The other pro is that he's just going to be on a top tier offense. This is led by, you know, potential MVP candidate Justin Herbert, a really, really strong unit. The Chargers last season were top five in points per game and top five in plays per game. So the volume can be there. And we know the touchdown upside is there also. 
The one downside here with Austin Eckler, which I think some people are talking about, some people don't seem too worried by. For me, I'm a little bit concerned, but I do think he could lose some touches. So in 2021, that was like the clear largest workload of his career. Played in 16 games, had over 200 carries, and then 94 targets. The Chargers went out. They drafted Isaiah Spiller in round four. I think he's someone who could come in, take some early down work, and not only take early down work, but like potentially goal line opportunities. And I just don't really like like having that up in the air. You know, if I'm taking a running back in the first round, I want to know they have a locked down workload. And it is possible Eckler has that, but I'm just not 100% sure. So just something to kind of think about here for Derrick Henry, looking on the positive side, we know he's going to have a massive workload. The dude just has crazy rushing volume. He averaged 27.4 carries per game last year in 2021. No other running back in the NFL averaged over 20. So that is just a massive disparity, like over seven carries more than the RB2. He's logged 300 plus carries in two different seasons. One of those years, it was like 378 carries, just crazy, crazy numbers. He's rushed for over 2,000 yards in a season, and the man just always finds a way to get into the end zone. The other positive is that he's going to be the offensive centerpiece on this team. The Titans traded away A.J. Brown. There's some uncertainty at the wide receiver position. This could be a decent unit, but I mean, you have a rookie in Traylon Burks. You don't know how he's going to be in year one. You have Robert Woods, who's been super successful, but he's coming off of an ACL tear. So the Titans are going to rely very heavily on Derrick Henry to support this offense. Now, looking at the negatives, I do think he lacks receiving upside. We actually saw an increase in his uh, receiving work last year, averaged 2.5 targets per game. When I saw that number, like it looked really sad, but it really kind of just showed, you know, how little receiving work he had had in years past because like we were excited about two and a half targets per game because we just had not seen that out of Derrick Henry. So that is a very low number. And unless he's repeating like 25 plus carries per game, I just think it's tough to see him having that elite ceiling, right? Because he was in like the 24 point per game range, but he did that, you know, having 27 carries per game, which is not sustainable over an entire season. We saw it because he went down with injury. So I feel like they're going to, you know, take down that carry number, which is going to cap his ceiling because he's not going to be getting, you know, 50, 60 receptions like some of the players ahead of him. But even though Derrick Henry may lack that ceiling, I still am just going to kind of be inclined to go with him over Austin Eckler because I know he's going to be like a key, key facet of this offense. Obviously, Austin Eckler will be involved, but I'm just concerned you're kind of drafting a guy who may have like back-end RB1, you know, workload when you're kind of having to pay a premium price. Whereas with Derrick Henry, I just have less concerns. Yeah, you know, it's possible he gets injured again but he's been wildly healthy up until last season. So it's not really something I'm going to be banking on. So I would favor Derrick Henry at that price. And now on to the third and final kind of tough decision here. We have Najee Harris versus Delvin Cook. They're kind of going in the mid to late first round range and starting it off here with Najee Harris. My first pro is that he has a dual threat workload, a nice you know amount of opportunities per season. Last year as a rookie, he was second in the NFL in rush attempts. And then at the running back position, he was tied for first in targets and was first in receptions. The other solid pro here is that he just doesn't have any competition in his backfield. There have been some reports that the Steelers may want to kind of take some opportunities away, you know, maybe limit his workload. 
but like I'm not super concerned about this, right? Because they don't have competition to actually like earn touches away from him. The only way he's limiting workload is like they're just giving away unimportant carries, you know, to make sure he's not getting hurt. So this isn't a situation where you have a guy like Benny Snell or Anthony McFarlane like earning carries away from Najee Harris. So he's going to be, you know, losing a carry on first and 10 at the 50-yard line. Like, we don't really need that carry. I'd much rather have him on those valuable opportunities. He's going to be getting the receiving work. He will be in on the goal line. So, you know, I like to see it, even though, you know, you want him to have the most amount of opportunities as possible. If they're taking away, you know, a few unimportant carries, like that 12 yards on three carries isn't going to make or break your fantasy football week. Now, moving on to the cons, I really feel like the one thing holding back Najee Harris is just the poor offensive unit around him. We have uncertainty at the quarterback position. Right now, it looks like Mitch Trubisky is going to be the guy going into uh, week one. Not sure if that sticks. You know, like, what does that even mean? I don't know. I don't think either of these players, you know, Mitch or Kenny Pickett, are really strong options. So I think overall, this offense is not going to be very good. The offensive line is still very bad. Like, they didn't make the uh, additions that I was kind of hoping for for Najee Harris. So you're probably looking at limited efficiency once again. And then also limited touchdown upside. So even if he has a massive workload, like I don't think he's going to be above four and a half yards per carry. And I don't know if he's a candidate for like 15 plus touchdowns unless he just gets super, super fortunate and kind of hogs the touchdowns from that offense. Now moving over to Dalvin Cook on the positive side, we're pretty confident he's going to have a massive workload. Looking at the last three seasons, his carries per game, 2019 RB7. 2020 RB2, and then 2021 RB3. And he's also averaged at least 3.8 targets per game over the past four seasons. So that was his lowest number over the last four years. The other upside here is I think he may have a new receiving role in this offense. I just talked about that 3.8 number. Like that's decent usage, but that's not what's going to propel him to like super elite upside. Like that's not going to give him a Christian McCaffrey level season. He would have to just be so dominant on the ground and then super lucky in the touchdown department to get there. But the Vikings appear to be going more pass heavy. They have, you know, new coaching staff coming in. Justin Jefferson's already come out, basically, you know, admitted to that. They're going to be more pass heavy. He's excited about it. It makes sense. We were hearing reports that uh, Dalvin Cook was taking reps out wide in OTAs. I just think adding this new facet to Dalvin Cook's game could give him an even higher ceiling heading into the 2022 season. And then looking at his, you know, problems, I would say the most glaring one is just his shoulder concerns. I know injury prone gets thrown around a lot. I hate when people use that kind of term, but I think if we're actually talking about injury prone, like a real injury prone player, Dalvin Cook is one of those guys. Let's take a look at his shoulder injury history. So starting off in 2014, he tore his labrum. Then he did the same thing in 2016. And then he uh, had a shoulder AC joint sprain in 2019. And then last season, he dislocated his shoulder and then tore his labrum again. So this is an injury where if you do it once, it's more likely to happen a second time. We saw it happen a third time. So it's very possible, you know, he dislocates his shoulder again here in 2022 or tears his labrum. And so there's some concern there. This still isn't a situation where I'm like, I'm fading Dalvin Cook. Injuries happen, but I do think there is risk there for injury with Dalvin Cook. So looking at Cook and Najee Harris, I kind of had a strong opinion towards McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. With this one, I really feel like you could go either way. I think both these guys are really strong values, like end of the first round. 
think they both have high-end RB1 upside. So I really don't think you could go wrong with either player. I think I would lean slightly towards Dalvin Cook, but it's very, very close. You know, I don't have as strong of an opinion as I did for the first two comparisons, but that's probably going to wrap it up for this one. So kind of three tough calls, you know, in the first round at the running back position, McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry versus Austin Eckler, and then Najee Harris versus Dalvin Cook. I'm thinking of making a similar video for the uh, wide receivers. So maybe first round wide receivers, maybe get into the uh, second round. We'll see. You know, you kind of have Cooper Cup and then Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, uh, Stephon Diggs, those kind of guys. So let me know if you want to see that video. Let me know your thoughts on this one. You know, what players are you taking? You know, early first round, mid first round, and then late first round. Let me know down below in the comment section. Hope you guys enjoyed. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. But thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.